Don't waste your time spending hours researching your fantasy baseball team when we do all the work for you. The experts at Roto Rants and Daily Roto help bring you the top fantasy baseball advice to win you loads of cash every day. Now, to give you the top fantasy baseball advice, here are your hosts, Max Kirschbloom and Braden Horn. Hello and welcome to the Roto Help Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Max Kirschbloom, and joining me as always is my co-host, Braden Horn. Braden, how you doing? I'm doing great, trying to stay dry. This, <laughs> there's so much rain now, it's like 90 degrees, it's ridiculous. Luckily, DFS is inside on the computer and I'm going to stay cool all night long. Yeah, it's, it's been raining nonstop here in New York also. The last two days have been uh, crazy storms pouring like crazy, and of course, I got caught without a raincoat, so that was always fun. Um, quick run through of what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about uh, the investigation going around about around baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals. Crazy thing. Uh, then we're going to talk about two young guys that were just called up and what we can expect from them. Byron Buxton and Francisco Lindor. Give you some rants that we're uh, a little annoyed about within the fantasy sports world. Uh, then we're going to be having Dan Questions on. Unbelievable fantasy expert. You guys are going to love it. And uh, then we'll finish off with our draft pot corner. Um, Brandon, this investigation right now is, is pretty crazy. I mean, when we look at the St. Louis Cardinals, we look at a team that is always known for professionalism and just a team that always does the right thing and always doing good. And then we find out that they're spying and kind of doing like a, a New England Patriots spygate thing with the Houston Astros. I mean, this is pretty crazy. I could not be more happy that this is happening to the Cardinals. I'm from the Midwest. Everyone loves the Cardinals. All of my friends love the Cardinals or the Cubs. This, this is, this is the Spygate of MLB, and I, we're just. I mean, obviously, it just broke this morning, so we don't know 100% what's going on. But this couldn't happen to a better group of people. They're always talking about how great their team is, how they don't do anything wrong. I, I mean, I can't wait to see. I mean, obviously, this is bad in the realm of MLB, but in the realm of my friends and just in the realm of Braden, it's good. <laughs> in the realm, yes, in my realm, it is great news. I cannot wait to see what happens. Yeah, you know, uh, so, some interesting things that uh, that I've been hearing is that um, you know, it, it, with the Cardinals, nobody knows if it was that they were looking into prospects or looking into different roster moves that the Astros were making. Or was it that they were trying to do a hack and like hack their system? Now, I don't think the Cardinals were doing that, but if they were, I mean, that's pretty intense stuff. But listen, we're, we're, we'll find out hopefully soon. I mean, the FBI is on the investigation, which probably just means it's going to take forever. But um, with Rob Manfred and everything going on, they're, they're going to figure out something. They're probably going to put some punishment on the Cardinals. And uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what that means for fantasy players. When anything comes out, we'll... We will be covering it, so uh, make sure to follow us for future podcasts, and we'll be talking about it. Now we're going to go on to um, two very interesting young players that were just called up, and obviously we got it, Braden. We got to start with Byron Buxton. Uh, th- this guy is a potential star in the making. Uh, what, what's your view on Byron Buxton for this year fantasy and for the future? Well, I think it was probably right about three weeks ago, Max. We talked about how we thought everyone thought Buxton would be up. And then they brought up Eddie Rosario instead. And I kind of talked about how I thought Rosario would be up there a while. And then Buxton would eventually make his way up here before the All-Star break. And, I mean, he did. And I- I'm excited. I have him on a couple teams. Um, 
He's only played in two games. He's only had seven plate appearances, but this is a guy. He's got the speed. Uh, I mean, he's already he he went from Double A. He didn't even go to Triple A. He already had twenty steals in Double A. So if he can just bring that up to the majors, I think we've got a star on our hands. Uh, for fantasy baseball relevance, if you're in a keepers league, if for some reason he's not on your team, I mean, you got to go out there and get him. This, I mean, this kid. I really like this kid. He's fast. He's got the speed. He's got a little bit of power. Um, just he, he, So I'll just kind of read you his double-A line. Played in 59 games, 268 plate appearances, six home runs, 44 runs, 37 RBIs, 20 stolen bases. Now, the, he, he's got a high strikeout rate right now, So and that's double-A. I don't really know. We, you got to hope that their hitting coach is going to help him through that. He's got a little bit of strikeout. But I, I I'd like I like this kid. I think you could probably pick him up off the waiver wire. There's a good chance. If not, if he has a couple bad games, someone might be looking to move him. You could probably get him for pretty cheap. But I think as long as he you know keeps up his numbers he had in Double A, which is saying a lot because he went straight from Double A, like I said, to to the majors. So we got to see. But I don't see why he doesn't stay out, stay up in the bigs the rest of the year. Yeah, listen, when you come into the year and on Baseball Prospectus and on MLB.com, you're ranked as the number one prospect, higher than Chris Bryant and Carlos Correa, you knew, you know this guy's a big deal. I mean, when you look at this guy, the, the words that come to mind are tools. Tools, tools, and more tools. I mean, th- this guy is just unbelievable. He has 80-level speed on the 80 scale. Um, he's 80-level outfielder in terms of defense. He's got some power. He's got some hitting ability. And I mean – the power is going to develop over the next few years, um, but he's already got a little bit of pop right now. And just to understand, like this guy, he's got a great, bad, and unbelievable speed. In 2013 in the minors, he had 19 doubles, 18 triples, 12 home runs, and 55 stolen bases. I mean, this guy is otherworldly. Um, he's being – listen, when, when you're up there and people talk to you about – that he might be a Mike Trout in the next few years. This is a guy you have to get right now. Um, in a few years, I think he's going to be at that tra- Trout level. But for right now, uh, I think he's a top 30 outfielder the rest of the way. I don't see much power, but I think he could get 20 steals for you for the rest of the year with uh, three and a half months to go. Um, I really like him. I like that Tory Hunter is there to be able to uh, to be his mentor. And in dynasty and key performance, this guy is gold, obviously. But um for this year, I, I think he still has a ton of value when it comes to speed, average, and um, just overall, I think I think he's a great player and he's going to be awesome for you in the future. After that, another top five prospect to be called up. Braden, this has been an unbelievable season. We've seen so many top prospects, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, Joey Gallo, uh, Jock Peterson, and all these guys that either started the season uh, in the majors or were called up. This is really unbelievable. Now we have Francisco Lindor as well. Uh, what, what do you think of him? I, I don't mind him. I'm not as high on him as Buxton, obviously Buxton number one, but Lindor, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he, well, it would have been a double I'll say, but the guy tripped over first base and then he pointed at Miggy, Miguel Cabrera. And I couldn't tell if he was trying to get away with it or if he was joking or what was going on. I honestly have no idea. I I didn't see any of the, uh, post-game coverage, but he was trying to play it off like Miggy had tripped him, and it, clearly he was 15 feet away from him. I don't know if he's trying to joke around, but that's – I don't know if that's the person I would joke around with, just depending on the situation. But, 
I mean, he's got well, he really wasn't able to show his speed there because he should have had a double. But I mean, just looking at his numbers, 40 for out of 60 for hitting in his report. He's got 30 game power out of 40, 40 for 40 raw power. His speed is 66. This guy's fast. Uh, he's just got to, you know, not trip over the bases. Fielding, 55 out of 60, throw 60, 60. I mean, he's well rounded. He's another. Um, he kind of reminds me, just I, I kind of looked at uh, some of the video of his minor league, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Max, but he looks like a smaller version, not so good, but a smaller version of Andrelton Simmons from uh, the Atlanta Braves. I mean, they're kind of built the same. They're kind of, they kind of play the game the same. I, I don't know if you see that like I do, but I, I kind of rank him. I don't know if he's going to stay up as much. I mean, he's on the Indians. They've had their struggles on the infield a little bit, the outfield as well with injuries and everything. I, I, I'm i not as high on Lindor as, I guess, others are, but, I mean, he, he could prove me wrong. He 100% he could prove me wrong, but I, I don't like him as much as Buxton. I, I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, this guy is definitely known more for his glove uh, than his hitting, and I, I, I hear you a bit on that Andrelton Simmons call. I mean, uh, Andrelton Simmons is one of the best defensive shortstops we will ever see, and um, Francisco Lindor, he's projected to be that level defensive player. Um, so, yeah, he's a defensive wizard at short, but he doesn't have that like great real power. He does have a decent average bat. Um, I think at his peak, we're going to see a potential 300 hitter with 30 steals, but that's that's at the prime of his career, the best numbers he'll put up. But over, but for the next few years and what we can really expect is something around a 280 average with 20 steals. I think that's more realistic. And even that is pretty useful in fantasy, especially for a slim shortstop position. I think he should be added in most leagues and in dynasty and keeper leagues. Obviously he's a nice option, but honestly, I'd see what I could get for him in in a dynasty or keeper format because he projects better as an MLB player than he does a fantasy baseball player. So if you could pull off a nice top level talent for him, I definitely do it. I th- I think it's a great trade. Um, if you're in that dynasty or keeper format to get a top level player for him, because in terms of fantasy, he's just not going to be that star that Byron Buxton could potentially be. He's going to be a nice option, but he's not going to all of a sudden be a Jose Reyes in the next few years or, or when Reyes was in his prime or a Troy Tulowitzki or someone like that. He's not going to be that good in fantasy. Uh, yeah. And like, like you touched on it, he's more of the, he, he's a great defensive person, and you'll hear people all the time say defense wins championships. More That's more so with football, but just like that, I mean, that, that doesn't really translate into fantasy. So just because he's really great on defense, you've got to have that person that, that can hit also. And while he can a little bit, he's still got to get on base to use his speed to steal. So I definitely would try and trade him. Um, if he has a couple good games, you, I don't know, just depending on how good of games he has, and what's available in your league, you could probably move him for a, a mid-tier price. If you're looking for a pitcher, maybe a SP2, SP3, you're not going to get one of those aces, but he could be a good trade piece come down in the future if if he has a, some success with the Indians, just probably the rest of the season, I'd say. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I don't see him as a top-level player in fantasy um, throughout his career, now and even in his prime. So see potentially what you could get for him in these formats. It might be interesting to see. Now we're going to go on to uh, a little rant that we're having, uh, some issues with fantasy sports that we're going to reach out to you about. Brandon, why don't you tell our listeners out there what, what's really getting at you? 
I do not like roster locks. I do not like the way FanDuel and Victive have the roster locks, especially when they if they're if you're going to have an all day slate and you're going to lock the roster at noon or one on on the Sunday or even today Tuesday. It was a weird. I, I that was really weird for a Tuesday to have some early like half slate early, but I, I hate roster locks. I understand that sites want to differ from each other. Um, I think. FanDuel loses a lot of players. They lose it to DraftKings because people can go over there. You can do the late swap. I just absolutely hate the roster locks because, and the reason for that, I only hate the roster locks when it's an all-day slate where it will lock at the beginning of the first game, and it just depends on what happens. But if you're if a half your players sit because of something, you lose out on a ton of money and a ton of points depending on what you. Uh, play out over on those sites. So that's one good thing about DraftKings. I, I'm not, and I guess on the flip side of that, I don't know about this whole two pitcher on DraftKings. It's like, I, I, I know they want to be different, but I, I do not like the roster locks and I just do not care for the uh, two pitcher sites because, I mean, many times I've picked a person, they've had a near perfect game. And it's ruined because the second pitcher that I picked, who was projected to have a good game, just decided to go off and be absolutely terrible and just wreck your entire lineup. Those are the two things that I just can't get over with Daily Fantasy. That Those two things. Max, I'm hoping that you have something different for our listeners because I would really love to hear what you want to rant about. See, Brandon, the problem is that um, when it comes to these rants, I just have to go something that I'm really annoyed about. And it just so happens I'm I'm exactly the same with you in in one way, but I also disagree in another way. We'll we'll start with what I agree with the roster locks. That's one of the reasons why I play on DraftKings a lot because a lot of times I'll see great options in terms of BVP weather or a- anything like that, and I, and I see a great option batting towards who I think is going to be batting towards the top of the lineup, and then all of a sudden put him in. He's a seven o'clock game and. Uh, rosters lock at one o'clock and all of a sudden he's not in the lineup and my entire it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the rest of my team does I get zero points right away from that guy and I, I'm gonna lose my tournament and it's very frustrating I, I know on DraftKings literally just the other week I had a player I put him in I saw he was out it was a guy that I spent I think about 4400 on and I replaced him with a $3,600 guy but it made a huge difference. I actually, I, I won money in that tournament because of it, and without that player, I would not have cashed. So I definitely agree with you. I think uh, sites like FanDuel and Victive really need to think about in uh, think about adding this feature of the of non roster locks and fit, fitting in different players uh, who still have yet to play. Um, I, I definitely agree with you there. Part that I disagree with you is that I actually really like the two pitcher format on DraftKings. Um, I think it it really you obviously every website needs to have something different about them, and I'll tell you a lot of times that on FanDuel, um, everyone picks the same pitcher a lot of times, uh, and it's it's very frustrating. And then everyone's getting sort of around the same amount of points. But with DraftKings, you can really differ from people not only in terms of all the hitters you get. But because you have to pick two pitchers, it changes everything. If you want to go with two aces, getting a guy like Felix Hernandez and Chris Sale on the same night, you're going to have a pretty bad offense. If you're going to go with a ace and then a, a dud and hope that he has a big performance, these are all really interesting risks that I think are really interesting on DraftKings. I, I actually like the two-pitcher format. 
The DFS industry is booming and new websites are coming out all the time. Some sites take on the exact same rules and settings as other sites, while others decide to change up the industry in a good way. DraftPod.com is doing exactly that. They're giving their users the ability to draft the way they want. Great cash payouts with an awesome user-friendly interface makes this site a contender as one of the top new DFS sites out there. Go to DraftPot.com right now, use the promo code RotoRants to get four free dollars and start winning money tonight. DraftPot.com, unbelievable daily fantasy website. Um, they're going through uh, some renovations right now. Uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to be seeing a brand new DraftPot.com. It's going to be amazing to see. And not only that, we're going to be having Joey Levy, the CEO from DraftPot.com, on Thursday's show to discuss all the new features, all the new tournaments, and all the different updates that you can hear about DraftPot.com. So make sure to stay tuned for then. We'd now like to welcome onto the podcast Dan Claskins, the publisher at GetSportsInfo.com and a host on the SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio. Dan, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh, pretty happy that the, we're getting into the hot and heavy part of the baseball season, that's for sure. Yeah, this is definitely the uh, the most crucial time for fantasy players. I mean, you could basically decide, are you going to make it this year or are you going to not, which is, which is very important because it's actually what we're going to be talking about today, different players that either they're going to come out of these slumps that they're in right now for the entire season or whether or not we could just get rid of them. Or maybe not get rid of them or just assume that they're not going to get back to their levels. So, you know what, let's get right into it. We're going to start with Melky Cabrera. After bouncing back and proving that even without performance-enhancing drugs, he could be a great everyday player last year for the Blue Jays, he's really struggled so far for the White Sox. He's batting just two forty one with one home run and zero steals. What's going on with this guy? And do you have any confidence in him coming back? Well, I definitely think that when you look at Melky Cabrera, I mean, first of all, here's a guy, he's 30 years old now, so obviously he's getting past his prime a little bit. You would expect those power numbers to go down. I still had him pegged for 15 to 20 homers, so if I'm looking at his stat line, the thing that definitely is the most disappointing to me, particularly if I'm in a roto format where I'm, I'm counting on those home runs, uh, one home run, as you said, and you know, well over 240 at bats now. But fellas, he's struggling against lefties, which is nothing new. But struggling at the uh, rate of, I believe he's hitting like barely over 100, 107 versus left-handers through last night's game. So, I think in terms of optimism, I'm a Cabrera owner. Look what he's done of late. I mean, since June has started, this guy's starting to heat up a little bit. He's got nine hits in his last eight games. Um, I don't know if the power is going to get back to what we saw of him. I think there's certainly some room for some uh, progression there. And I definitely think his recent uh, hitting trend is going to raise that batting average up at least to the 270, 275 mark. Uh, He's a guy that, you know, given the right price, I'd definitely be buying on for the second half. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, the BABIP is 40 points lower than usual. So de- we can definitely see an uptick in batting average, like you said. Uh, he's striking out and walking in at the same rates that he has throughout his career. So that's really no difference. But the difference really is coming down to the contact that he's making, right? His career line is at 25.8% hard contact. Last year was at 30%. So obviously he had a great year. And now it's at just 20%, which is a clear reason why he's struggling. Uh, he's no longer batting second, so that's going to hurt his runs. Um, he may get more RBIs now that he's batting fifth or sixth, but I wouldn't count on him really returning to form that he was in last year. Uh, I think by the end of the year, if he reaches 10 home runs, that's going to that's gonna be optimistic for me. Um, 
And uh, the steals, I don't know if those are going to come either. But I think that the bat, the batting average is definitely going to come up a little bit. And like you said, a 270, 275, maybe even 280. Uh, that, right now, that's the only thing I'm looking at with Melky Cabrera, that batting average. After that, we have Jay Bruce. And, you know, talk about consistency. Uh, Bruce was one of the most consistent power hitters in the game. He was almost a lock for 30 home runs and 90 to 100 RBIs every year. But the last two years, he's just looked God awful. I, what's going on with Jay Bruce? Do, do you have any confidence in him? I'll tell you, fellas. I mean, being intimate to the situation here in, in Cincinnati and have, watching this guy progress from really this first week of baseball he had of his professional career. And that I was there for three of those games when Bruce was going yard. And the, the promise of power was there. He's certainly playing in the right park for it. But the problem with Jay Bruce, you say consistent, but that's because you're looking at the end of the year stats and yeah at the end of the year it's going to pan out to be what it what you've been expecting i mean he's 40 home run potential any season where he stays healthy but he's not consistent during the season this guy's one of the most streaky guys i've ever watched and in over three decades of watching baseball on my end and i'll tell you right now uh you look at bruce and talk about his home runs he had two home run game back on june the 7th he hasn't hit a home run since in fact in eight games since that two home run game he's gone hitless in six and before those two home runs he had two home runs total since april 29th so yeah that 209 batting average is pretty hard to stomach when this guy's just simply going through these power uh spells now that said for dfs players like myself that you know like to play in some tourney style games and pay attention to jay bruce because he is a streaky guy he'll have that three or four game stretch where he's going to explode he's certainly at the right price in the daily game i don't want him on my season long team unless i'm really just wanting to focus strictly on his home run potential because he's going to drag you down everywhere else yeah i i couldn't agree with you more the in terms of daily and season long, he's definitely a guy I'm looking in daily. Like you said, the price is cheap. If you're playing on a site like FanDuel, DraftPot, DraftKings, uh, Victiv, any of these sites, his price is going to be at a good price. So he's a definite guy to target. And I think the batting average is just, it's gone for him. It's just, he's never going to hit 260, 270 again. But like you said, he plays in a great ballpark. He plays in a good lineup. He's got Joey Votto there. He's got all these other good bats. And, but, also, just the stats that he has don't really make sense to me. Last year, his hard contact percentage went down, and his pull rate was all the way at an all-time high, which means he was clearly swinging early in the count, and his ground ball percentage was 9 points higher than usual. Now everything is back to normal to his career average, and he can't hit home runs. It just doesn't make any sense. So you know at some point, I'm Dan, all my listeners know that I'm a big believer in people being due someone due to hit a home run. And I think he's definitely one of these candidates to be due for a massive week. And just in one week, seeing four or five home runs from this guy, I don't know about you, but I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he is certainly capable of that. I mean, but the problem is, is you you are wrong about one thing, and that is the lineup around him. This team was questionable at best to begin the season with an aging Joey Phillips, a Joey Votto that fans here in Cincinnati definitely clamor, wanted to be more aggressive at the plate. They'd rather see him swing for the fences than take all these walks. And now, on top of that, Marlon Bird's on the disabled list. Zach Cozart's lost for the season. Uh, I mean, the list of injuries starting to mount. And the reality of the matter, names with Johnny Cueto, Mike Leak, both free agents at the end of the season, Araldis Chapman, just one more year left. This team is about to go through a 
fire sale once this all-star game leaves the city. And uh, that's why I am not buying on Jay Bruce at all. Yeah, I'll get behind him, like I said, on tourney, uh, you know, heavy G, uh, GPP plays in DFS if I'm looking for, some, for uh, a good value. But outside of that, I'm staying away from him. I hear, and you know, definitely, I mean, when you see Marlon Bird injured, Zach Cozart injured, that's pretty alarming and scary for the lineup around him. But, I mean, Joey Votto, he's batting two ninety nine with 14 home runs. He's been pretty consistent. And so far in June, the guy's batting three fifty two with five doubles and five home runs. So, I mean, the guy's been a beast. And Brandon Phillips, the problem is, is that with his turf toe and all these other things that are going on, he keeps coming in and out of the lineup. But he's batting over three hundred, a great oh. bounce back season. Uh, there's, but there's... And with Frazier, too, Todd Frazier, there are guys, yeah, Todd Frazier's there are guys a monster. in front of him that are going to get on base. So the opportunity for RBIs is there. The problem is there is zero protection behind him in the lineup. Yes. And for a guy that strikes out uh, 61 times already this season and 209 at-bats, not really uh, having the pitcher afraid of what's behind you, probably not the best thing for Jay Bruce. I, I just... I just not buying, fellas. I'm sorry to bust the bubble. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And really only a daily format am I getting a guy like Jay Bruce. Um, now, talking about another consistent guy, uh, Chase Utley, surprisingly, even with his age, he was still putting up some pretty valuable fantasy stats over the past few seasons with double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, still hitting about 270, 280. But now we see his average is below 200, and he's just been awful. Is this just a case where we see his age is getting the best of him and he's done? Or are you still a fan of Chase Utley? You know, I was encouraged by Utley when he came back from, uh, you know, he missed that little bout back in May and uh, came off and had, had a little bit of a hot streak going. I think he's uh, battled a lot of the same challenges of Jay Bruce in regards to, you know, some of the lineup around him. Uh, in fact, I would say Utley would be even more challenged in that regard. But I do think, you know, you look at a guy here, it's it's more of, of the players we've discussed so far. I mean, he, he certainly has a few more years on the other. Uh, I believe he's 36 right now, maybe uh, pushing 37. And on top of that, uh, I mean, he's just he, on a, especially I, I know in the one place where I actually had a share of him, it's one of the the leagues where I can only set my lineup once a week. And it's like, at least hard to do on that because he's the type of guy that, you know, even if he's starting to put up some statistics, he could certainly uh, be day to day, miss a game here, miss a game there. I don't know. Second base isn't a position that's overwhelming to me in fantasy this year. So I, I certainly could see some cases, even in some deeper mixed leagues where Udley would still have some value, particularly maybe as a middle infielder. I mean, in deeper leagues, I guess as your second baseman, but I don't know if I'm going out at the uh, trade deadline here and and trying to make move unless maybe he gets maybe he's a guy that potentially gets shopped and dealt to a, a contender maybe a more exciting lineup even then though I would be uh, pretty pretty modestly uh, optimistic about whatever I would expect in terms of an increase from you know what I had anticipated at the beginning of the season clearly I think all of us expected a little bit more statistically than what we've seen thus far. Yeah, I mean the the way he's going right now, it's he's he's only striking out twelve point seven percent of the time, and his career average is fourteen and a half. And I mean, but the guy's only batting one eighty seven, and his career is a two eighty two. So it, everything points to just regression. Where I think his age might be catching up to him. I mean, even tonight, uh, Ryan Howard's DHing, and so Utley's over there at first base. So. They're trying to change some things up, trying to still keep him in the lineup. I don't know if I would trust him in any year-long leagues, dynasty leagues, keep or anything like that. 
just lately, I've only used him in GPP tournaments and only when it, the BVP's been good. I've just stayed him and Cano. I've I've really just stayed away from this year in the second. Yeah, base they're position. making it. They're making it tough to stay away from <laughs> them. I was like, I think Cano was at the uh, minimum the past few nights on FanDuel, and I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. I will say this. I do think Utley's going to have a little bit of uh, goodness still left in him. So if I'm an Utley owner and you know, he gets a little hot week going where he's starting to look like that Chase Utley or old, I find that guy in my league that still thinks it's 2011 and try to get something for him. I wouldn't just dump him because uh, I think there is something to be said of name value, particularly in your you know neighborhood and more of your friendly leagues where you might be a little bit more on top of things than some of your competitors. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you know what? Let me throw a question out there to you guys. Um, Right now, Steven Drew is batting 175 for the New York Yankees, playing second base. Can we potentially see a situation, the Yankees are in playoff contention right now, uh, can you imagine Chase Utley with his left-hand bat playing in New York? Would that be an interesting option right there? (laughs) I think it would be very interesting for fantasy owners and the Yankees alike. I mean, Utley certainly would bring a little bit more to the table than Stephen Drew. I think playing in that park would be exciting as well. Not to say that you know his park isn't an advantage right now. It's just more of the lineup with the park. Uh, and playing in the American League East, I think you're going to have a lot more runs. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think Chase Utley is a guy that uh, we're certainly not going to be talking about in fantasy for much longer. Yeah, I, I agree. That, that age is just scary for me. And um, I also couldn't agree with you more with – what you said before when you said if he starts hitting in the next few weeks see if you could get some value for him because i just think the age is getting to him he's not going to be a real valuable player for the rest of the year um brandon do you disagree just watching the 2009 world series and seeing chase utley just completely demolish the right field of yankee stadium i mean that park was made for his swing exactly i mean i don't it I would have. It, it appears that Philadelphia might be on the, you know, trying to sell, trying to sell, just trying to get what they can. I don't know uh, what the Yankees would get. I, that's that's hard to say. I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I just feel like the Philadelphia Phillies are going to ask for a lot in return for a trade for him, just because of the name, not because of the production. So. Well, he's, would got look, ten, he's got the ten five rule too, so yeah, say in it as well. I mean, that's that's what you have when you get these veteran players that have been in the league more than ten years, five in the same city, and Utley's got the full no trade clause in there. So not only would they have to accept the deal, but so would he. Yeah, I, I see him uh, just the way Philadelphia is not going to be in contention. I think I wouldn't really see him denying a trade to a contender just because he's at the end of his career. And the Philadelphia Phillies don't look like they're going to be in contention anytime soon. So I guess it's really up in the air. I don't really want to speculate on anything until we see. But I would not be surprised if Utley is not on the Phillies at the trade deadline this year. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll definitely have to see. We'll see what happens with Chase Utley and then uh, gauge his fantasy value from there. Uh, you know, Dan, something that I was talking about with other people uh, – it was always said around the fantasy industry, if Carlos Gonzalez can play one whole healthy season, he could be the top fantasy player in baseball. I mean, this guy was a guy who could bat 320, 30 home runs, 20 to 30 steals, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, batting in cores. But the crazy thing is that he's been healthy lately, and he's just been awful. So it's and the, it's been the last two years. Last year he was hurt towards the end of the year, but even when he was healthy, he wasn't doing well. So wh- what do you think of Carlos Gonzalez? 
I mean, you hit the nail on the head. If I would be on the losing side of a wager, if I could have found somebody to take the bet of, he would play in 58 of the first 64 games and have less than 10 home runs. Uh, I will say this. I'm glad that uh, I don't have any shares of him because he is very frustrating. And, and the reason I don't have any shares because I've had him in Dynasty League uh, for the past couple seasons. I finally got some value and dumped him and divorced myself of that headache. But you're absolutely right. This This whole Rockies team you would think would be – uh, pretty spectacular, but when you look at the offense, it, it really has been <laughs> lack of productive. Now, I will say this: they've had some pretty abnormal weather conditions to this point of the se- to this point of the season inside of Coors Field. So perhaps that's playing a little bit of a factor in his struggles and even some of the other Rocky players. But in general, uh, he's a guy that I just don't trust. Period. So even if he does get hot, even if the numbers were there, I'm waiting for him to get hurt. I'm not going down that road again. Those that do not learn from their history, fellas, as they always say, are doomed to repeat it. I think you hit it right on the head that the weather's been just absolutely terrible out there. There's rain. It seems like there's rain every single day. May had snow. He hasn't been hurt. He, I mean, let's be real. He will get hurt at some point. If you have him, I don't know if anyone's really going to want to take him. Um, but I've, I've be- been very surprised with him and Tulo. They're, they're not hurt. And that, that lineup is more potent inside of Coors. And it's just, man, I never would have thought right now that he would play this many games to begin the season. I don't see him. I mean, usually right around the all-star breaks when, when they decide to have their body break down on them or something goes wrong. And then having him go down and he was, I think he was batting seventh at one point. I mean, that's really way too low for him. You can't really get a lot of production out of someone batting in the seven hole. So if you're an owner, I would try to get something for him before, you know, he goes down with an injury. There's no way I'm holding on to him. There's no way I'm trading for him, but this guy, he's healthy right now. Try to trade him while he's healthy because it's only a matter of time before his body breaks down. Yeah, I mean, hard contact continues to fall. His ground ball percentage continues to go up. So, I mean, those are clear indicators of something that's not going well. Uh, there was an interesting article on Fangraphs just the other day about um, a premature decline for Carlos Gonzalez where we see most people, they start their decline at 31, 32, 33, but we might just be seeing the decline coming now. I mean, this is a guy who's had injuries piled up for years and years and years. So it it may just be that Carlos Gonzalez is already starting to lose it. I think he's still a top 25, 30 outfielder for the rest of the year, but the days of him being a potential star to me are gone. And um, I just, I just don't see the top five value of Carlos Gonzalez anymore. And I don't see it happening for the rest of oh, his career. I think, I think that ship sailed long ago on card. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. And, you know, I mean, I think you guys hit something on the head. I mean, just because he's playing and he's played in 58 to 64 games doesn't mean that he's healthy. Uh, so I think the long wear and tear is just I – mean, he's never going to get back to, to what he was before some of these injuries. That's the reality of the situation. Plus, you know, the, how inflated did Coors Field make him? Was he ever that great oh, yeah. to begin with? Uh that will will be a question that may never be answered. But hey, let me reiterate: I mean, I'm not buying cargo. I don't have him anywhere. I don't trust him. But I'm not going to give him away or just dump him for this week's flavor on the waiver wire. Uh, he definitely still has some value. It's just 
value is in the eye of the beholder and you're going to find a lot of people uh, not willing to give up much for him. So you're, you're best suited to take him unless somebody actually offers you something of use. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And one of the reasons why I say I think he's going to be – he's still a top 25, 30 outfielder for the rest of the year, which clearly he has some value there. Um, but um, But like we said, just those days of him being not even a star, even a top – a top 20 player in just his position well those days are gone for me this year this year he was as well i believe round three average draft position by time uh the season kicked off there fantasy pros uh so i mean i wouldn't even say it's fair to look at him as a guy that you know is it going to be in those early rounds of drafts period much less right. you know top five i think the ship is sailed. you're looking at a mid-round guy and uh you know that's why he still has value but just not what you paid for yeah, very unfortunate to see from such a start. But, uh, yeah, just, just very sad thing to see. But talking about another st- previous star, uh, this guy, I mean, after finally putting everything together last year it went, when he was on Chicago and he played for Oakland, Jeff Samarja finally seemed like he was going to be that potential ace. Everyone saw him as with this guy with unbelievable strikeout numbers and everything like that. And now, just like the other guys we've talked about, this guy has just been terrible um, playing for a new team, playing in the American League. Uh, what, what do you think of Jeff Samarja? Well, I mean, certainly a guy that uh, has always been one to thrive off his strikeouts. And, I mean, he already hit the biggest thing on the head. He, he's not making a batter's miss quite, uh, quite as frequently. And with that, he's also – his walk rate's up a little bit. But, I mean – I was in a Caper 9 Roto League where I rode him out there for about a year and a half. And even though he wasn't giving me a lot of other numbers, that Caper 9 mark was you know, in the 9 to 10 range. And now it's just 70 Ks and 87 innings. Uh, and you're looking at his, at his game log. And the thing is, is he, I mean, there's been several starts where he's not just been you know, not good. He's just been terrible. I mean, he's been lit up for five or more earned runs, I believe, seven times this season. Uh so he's had a, a few shiny moments sprinkled in there. But, I mean, sometimes we got to take ourselves out of the stat sheets for a minute and, and really, like, try to think about what this guy's been through. How many different addresses has he had? Uh, there's a lot of adjustment to that. I think Chicago in general has been uh, a bit of an off-the-field mess. Uh, I mean, certainly uh, some questions there about the team. And, you know, there's been a little bit of controversy in the locker room. So has it been the best of situations? I think Samarja is a guy that, uh, once he settles in, is capable of, of of helping your fantasy team. But I don't think he's ever going to develop into the ace or even strong SB2 on your fantasy squad like you thought he might have been a year ago at this time. I think he's more of a mid-range starter, a guy that you probably are going to have to look at the matchups. And quite frankly, he's going to burn you every now and then. So you have to use him at your own risk. Yeah, he's definitely not going to reach, uh, like you said, that SP2 ace-like level, especially when the guy's 30 years old. I don't think people realize that he's really not this 26, 27, 28-year-old pitcher who's at the prime of his career. He's actually older than people think. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just looking at the numbers, you got to like the, the tremendous walk rate that he held last season, um, where he made great improvements. Um, it stayed this, it's staying this year, so you got to like that. But like you said, the strikeouts have just gone down each of the last two years. Uh, he plays in a hitter's ballpark in Chicago, so that's always going to hurt. The BABIP is a little high, so it's going to come down and will help him a little bit, but not enough to make him the starter that he was last year. Um, 
the thing that's been killing him is that he's been getting destroyed in the first inning of all the games that he's pitching in. I mean, every pitcher always has one inning that's really that really hurts them, but you never like put it on an exact inning, right? You'll say, uh, like today, Andrew Kashner was going great through the first few innings, and then that uh, fifth inning, he was getting killed there. Other pitchers, it's just random innings, but this one, Jeff Samarja always starts off horribly, and one has to wonder if he could just get through that first inning, if it's this confidence or just mental thing, what, what, what that can lead to. I mean, he was already starting to see improvement in May. He held a three ERA, exact three ERA, which is great. So he's definitely not going to be what he was last season, but I think he's a really nice buy low option. I agree with you. And, um, I think he's a guy people, fantasy owners, if you don't have him, he might be a guy that you can trade some pretty low rated players for him and really get a, a nice value and a nice, uh, paying maybe, 60 cents on the dollar and uh, get, getting a nice player in Jeff Samarja. I really like him. After that, uh, our final player and our final pitcher is uh, Julio Tehran. You know, I had him projected as a top, towards the top of top two uh, tier pitchers uh, coming into the year. And boy, has that, he's made me look real bad. He's got a 4.78 ERA and 1.41 whip. What's going on with this guy, Dan? Well, you know, even when Tehran is going good, he's he's always he's always been that guy that's capable of giving up that long ball. And uh, you know, the problem is, is when you're not going good and you're still giving up the long ball, there's more runners on base. And he a lot like Samarja here, uh, Max and and Braden. I think that is a guy that's been susceptible to these big innings. Uh, not necessarily the first inning, but today it was a perfect example. I mean, I, you, I was looking at the, the live update there for the first few innings. Like, man, he's actually – <laughs> I was a little reluctant to even put him out there uh, against the Red Sox, but sort of playing from behind. And at the end of the day, I mean, he, once again, he just gave up the big inning there. I think with him, unlike Samarja, 24 years of age – part of this total rebuild process there in Atlanta. I mean, he's going to take his, his lumps. I, I don't know if uh, he's as bad as he's looked at at times this year, and I'm not sure he's ever going to be as good as he should flashes of last year. But I think somewhere in between with a, a high ceiling, uh, a floor that's probably a little higher than s- some conservative owners might want to you know endure. But uh, he's a guy I would classify as a buy low as well. And certainly a guy in dynasty formats, I'm still holding out hope, could, could turn into something pretty special. Oh, yeah. When he's 24 years old, and he's, I mean, you look in his first full rookie season, he had a 3.2 ERA, and he follows that up with a 2.89 ERA last year. So you know the guy's got the talent. He was always a top prospect, a top pitching prospect uh, throughout all the different prospect systems, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, MLB.com, Keith Law, anyone that you looked at, this guy was a top 50 prospect. I mean, he came up with such hype. And at 24 years old, you know the guy's going to rebound. The scary thing for me is that while he has the 4.78 ERA, obviously you then want to look at the FIP and see, you know, maybe he's got a low FIP, but he's his FIP is 5.08. So, I mean, it's actually kind of scary, but then I look back when he had his 3.2 ERA in 2013, his FIP was 3.69. And his ERA last year of 2.89, his FIP was 3.49. So it just seems like the FIP is not a real indicator for Julio Tehran of what he's capable of. So I think the ERA is definitely going to come down. I mean, the Braves, like you said, they're going through a whole rebuilding process right now. And Shelby Miller has been unbelievable for the Braves as a young pitcher at the same age as Julio Tehran. So 
I don't know, maybe there's some mental aspect going on here, but uh, things are definitely looking up for him in terms of he can only get better from here, and I agree with you. I think he's a great buy-low option, and when you're playing in these dynasty or keeper formats, he's a guy you definitely want to target. I, I, I definitely agree with you there. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. It was really amazing to have you. All, all of our listeners, I'm sure, are so happy to get this unbelievable knowledge from you. And uh, guys, make sure to follow Dan on Twitter. We're going to be putting his Twitter handle at the bottom of the podcast. And um, make sure to go on to uh, GetSportsInfo.com and uh, make sure to read all the stuff that he's putting out there. Really unbelievable stuff. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, fellas. Uh, definitely appreciate the opportunity. And uh, nice getting to talk some baseball with you, man. Best of luck the rest of the season. Yeah, Take thank care, you. Dan. You too. We'd like to thank Dan Claskins for coming on. It was unbelievable to have him on. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Again, we're going to be putting his Twitter handle at the bottom of the podcast. And now we're going to be going on to the DraftPot corner. Uh, DraftPot.com, unbelievable DFS site to play on. And um, they're going through a whole revamping, all new updates, new tournaments, and new sports coming out on the website. Joey Levy, the CEO from DraftPot.com, is going to be on on Thursday to talk about all these different updates. So make sure to tune in for that. Now we're going to give you guys some great plays for tomorrow's games on DraftPot.com for the fan mode and GM mode. So, Brandon, why don't you give our listeners some two or three fan mode plays and two or three GM mode plays. All right. I've just kind of looked at the batterverse pitcher, just how hot the uh, batters have been lately. So two of the fan mode that I want. So fan mode, guys, you, you can have anybody. You don't have to have. There's no limit. I really like Anthony Rizzo and Ryan Braun. They both have great numbers against their opposing pitchers, and they've been pretty hot lately. And if, if you're going to want to save some dough here, as to say, David Lowe against Kevin Correa, you, you got to make sure he's in the lineup. He, but he's got great numbers, uh, seven hits and 11 at-bats with three doubles. He's real cheap. Andrelton Simmons is cheap. Anthony Ghost, Jonathan Lucroy, Jason Kasher. I could go on and on with the plays that definitely are, you know, GM. You're going to save a lot of dough so you can get those bigger names in there. Those are who I'm going with on uh, draftpot.com for Wednesday, the 17th, Max. Yeah, all, all great plays. And just to add to those plays, um, let's get um, two more fan mode plays. Uh, number one, Josh Donaldson. I think he's an unbelievable play. When you don't have to worry about the salary cap, getting a guy who's going to be going against a lefty, who bats 413 with four home runs and four doubles and 46 at bats against lefties? You got to go with him. And when Josh Donaldson's batting 309 with 17 home runs, 45 RBIs, and 52 runs, he's been one of the best fantasy players out there. You got to get him. And another guy who you don't have to worry about salary is Troy Tulowitzki. We've seen his numbers just go crazy lately so far in June batting 370 with three home runs 14 RBIs and 46 at bats so far this season against lefties batting 417 three home runs four doubles and 48 at bats and he'll be playing at home where he's batting 327 with four home runs and 23 RBIs so those are two fan mode options now two more GM mode options guys who will not cost you so much which is great great value plays first I Anyone who listens knows I love to pick on John Danks. I I just I really just go right easy against John Danks all the time. So, I mean, 
in terms of going back to fan mode, you could get a guy like McCutcheon or Marte, but GM mode, look at a guy like Sean Rodriguez. He hits lefties well, and he's 6-for-16 with a double and two triples, batting three seventy five in his career against John Danks. John Danks has been awful this year, 5.16 ERA, 1.53 whip. So uh, Sean Rodriguez, and another really interesting option, of course, you always want to go with guys at cores, and of course, you always want to go against Kyle Kendrick, who has a 5.87 ERA, 1.41 whip. Colby Rasmus is 6-for-13, 462 average, five doubles and a home run against Kyle Kendrick in his career. Just to add to that, Kyle Kendrick so far at home has a 6.75 ERA. So, again, for the fan mode, Troy Tulowitzki, Josh Donaldson, and the GM mode, you're going to want to go with Colby Rasmus and Sean Rodriguez. And that's it for today's podcast. We want to thank Dan Claskins for coming on. And, guys, make sure to tune in on Thursday when we have Joey Levy on the podcast. It's going to be very exciting. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and good luck with your DFS for the rest of the week.